Hi, I'm Janny. And hi, I'm Nikki. And we want to welcome you to Pocket Talk. And we're excited to invite you to this space, which we've called Pocket Talk. Pocket Talk, where psychotherapy meets spirituality at the leading edge. Hi, I'm Nikki, and today I'm going to be talking with Janny about an article she's written which, is, which has received a great deal of interest. And the article's about the difference between empathising and identifying, and how knowing the difference can really help us. So, hi Janny. Hi Nikki. So, you've written this article called Take Two Empaths, which yeah. is a piece about the difference between an empath who identifies with mm-hmm. other people's emotions and an empath who knows how to manage emotions and energy. Yeah. And I wondered, what made you want to write this particular piece? I think because empaths get such a bad press and there are so many articles, books even, YouTube clips. Mm. Um, empaths are everywhere being um, commiserated with and told what a terrible time they have, um, being advised how to stay away from the world because the world is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, And and actually, we're not talking about empaths. We're not talking about empaths. We're talking about something very different. Okay, so... We're talking about people who identify, not empathise. So it sounds like you wanted to write this piece because you you, you wanted to try and make clear that there's a distinction and we're not straightforwardly talking about um, empaths, that a lot of the articles are really talking about people who identify rather than empathise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a really important distinction because Mm. I think an empath, when an empath understands what's happening and stands in their own power, they are unstoppable. Okay. And their ability to work with energy and change energy is is immense Mm. but before we become an empath i guess therefore before we move move on and become a light worker we usually identify as and Mm. and the difference is this so when i used to train newbie psychotherapists i used to explain the difference as so you have a lake and in the middle of the lake somebody is waving their arms around, shouting and screaming in panic, mm. shouting, help, I'm drowning. Okay. And on, on, the, on the lake side you have an empath and you have an identifier mm-hmm. and they behave quite differently. So the identifier shouts out to the person who's drowning, oh God, how terrible, isn't this just terrible, what a nightmare, hang on, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to swim over to you and I'll drown with you. Okay, so they're full of panic. They're full of panic, they're full of fear, Mm. they're feeling helpless, they're feeling there's nothing they can do. Mm -hmm. However, the empath stands on the lakeside, they don't jump in the water, Mm -hmm. they actually feel the panic coming towards them from the other person Mm -hmm. and they exude calm. They hold the panic inside them. They hold the belief that this person can make it to the shore. But they know that in order for the person to get to the shore, that person needs their calm, their energy. Mm-hmm. And the person needs them to breathe in their panic and to breathe out calm. So they both feel the panic. They both feel the panic, but mm-hmm. they deal with it very differently. One is feeling quite powerless and full of fear, and the other knows about energy knows that nothing awful is happening. 
trust that the person can actually get through the situation mm. and it ha just has to manage the emotion of it. Mm. And the empath can help them to do that. Okay. So the empath stays calmer. They, they, they receive the emotion. They feel it just the same as they identify it. But somewhere there's a, um, a stillness in them, the ability to manage that emotion. Yeah, because the empath has done the work. Okay. But the empath knows the difference. The identifier doesn't yet know the difference. Okay. And so I wonder if um, that's a point at which I can ask you, you know, how do you understand the difference between empathising and identifying? And you've sort of said some of it already, but I think it might be helpful for listeners to hear how, you know, how do you understand the difference between empathising and identifying? So what the world calls empaths and you're calling identifiers, I wonder if it would be helpful to think a bit more about how do you become an identifier? How, yeah. What shapes and forms us into that? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I meet lots of identifiers in, in, um, in the consulting room mm. and we all have the same kind of history. And I say we because I... I I've been one too. Okay. And the kind of history that we have is that we've usually either been used by a parent who themselves found it very difficult to manage emotion mm. as a container for our parents' emotions. So maybe we had an extremely anxious parent who found it very difficult to manage their anxiety. And, and without realising that's what we were doing we would be a sponge that would actually absorb that energy okay. and somehow uh, would would have to be expected to hold it and manage it mm -hmm. but because we're so little because we're an infant or a young child mm. we don't know how to do that so our whole body our whole system um, is without boundaries borders mm. we're just zinging with that energy and we learn to be frightened of emotion okay I think Another way we become identifiers, maybe, is that we have um, we have to carry an awful lot of responsibility in the family. So maybe we have a, a parent who's ill, mm -hmm. um, or, or, or there's trouble in the family in some in some way, and and again we grow up feeling that's our responsibility. We see how everybody's troubled and suffering, and mm. struggling, and we feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. Guilt is is always present in what the world calls empaths okay. because empaths feel they must take on the world's suffering and try and make it better. Empaths feel responsible. Mm -hmm. And so I want to call these people identifiers. These people identify with the emotion that everybody else is feeling. Mm. They feel guilty. They feel that they must be responsible for it, that they must make it better. Mm -hmm. They're often very angry about that. They don't like it at all. Mm. But they don't realise that they're actually absorbing rather than transmuting the energy that they're receiving. Okay. And, and as a child, of course, we don't know how to do that. Mm. We just know that our body is zinging with somebody else's emotion. Mm. Um, and, and we're... And we may not we may not even be conscious that that's what's happening no, to us. Absolutely, we just grow up filled with fear and anxiety, mm. and I think that's that's typically how we become identifiers. Mm. And as, I wonder as well then if if a child is even aware that those emotions may not be 
may not belong to them. They may belong to other people around them. I, I think not. I think I think the key thing about people who are identifiers is that they believe. They believe that all this is happening in them. Mm-hmm. They believe that it's their response to the world. And mm-hmm. that's why they believe the world is overwhelming. They feel that they can't cope with, with being in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, it, it's about realising that emotion is energy and that what we receive all the time is other people's emotions mm-hmm. so other people's energy and that if we can we can understand this isn't ours yeah and therefore um it doesn't have to be a threat if we understand it in the right way then we can exist in the world very powerfully okay okay So I guess I was wondering, you know, if a child is is having to manage the emotions of the people around them as Mm. they grow up, what impact does that have on on them? Because they're also going to have their own emotions. What happens to those? Absolutely they are. And I think that's where you get into the vicious circle where we become really terrified of emotions. Mm. So it's supposed to be the other way around. If you think of a, a mother who's calm and empathic, and has a young baby, and the young baby is really distressed or really frightened, and they're, 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 they're crying with their whole body. You can see it as a baby, that an, an emotion fills the entire body, and they need help. Mm. And, and a tuned-in mother will pick the baby up and hold the baby against her, soothe that baby, mm. and actually convey energetically to that baby that she can manage their emotions. Mm. She can manage all the fear, all the distress... Mm. and the baby can give it to her energetically and the mother receives it energetically Mm. and her calm and her confidence that it can be survived then transmutes that energy so that when the baby receives it back the baby calms okay and so a baby growing up with a tuned in mother learns that emotions can be calmed Mm. can be changed into something else are are just information and can be soothed and anybody can do that for a child can't they it's not just a mother anybody any any caregiver any adult or even an older brother or sister who Mm. is who's learned to be tuned in and calmed Mm. anybody can do that it doesn't have to be a mother okay um and i think if if a child hasn't got that so a child let's go back to to identifying Mm rather than empathising. And if a child grows up with a, an anxious parent who can't manage their own emotions... Yes, yes. Or, ..or a caregiver who is so frightened of her child's emotions or his child's emotions mm. that there's an emotional reaction inside the parent too... Yes. Uh, ..then the, the parent can't do what I've just described the mother doing with the baby. Yes. Instead, the parent amplifies it, um, exaggerates it, it grows bigger energetically, okay, and so the child learns uh, this This is terrifying. Yes. So the child's feeling anxious, and then it's met by its uh, by a wall of emotion, of, an- yeah. of anxiety from the... Um, from the, the the caregiver, the mother, yeah. the father, whoever that be, and so what you end up with is just um, an amplification of anxiety, going and... straight back to the child. So yes. the child gets a double dose, if you like. Yes. And and I, you know, we then grow up to be an adult, 
I can see that this would all be really overwhelming and frightening then for a child. Mm. Um, and I guess the younger you are, you know, the more frightening that would be to have those experiences. Yeah. I wonder if you could explain a bit about how a child survives and manages those experiences. I mean, firstly, yes, absolutely, all right, aren't you? That that for a a, a baby, an infant, a, a young child emotions that, that aren't being contained and that they're not receiving help from mm. from someone older mm. um, are terrifying because emotions are physical you know we, we don't always um, we don't always understand that F emotions are physical they mm -hmm. are physical sensations in our body okay. and if nobody's helping to calm those down yes they are terrifying mm. and so we employ a vast number of different defences to mm. help us with those and I think it's unhelpful to go through a, a long list but maybe in terms of, mm. of of children then the main ones might be we, the first thing we do, we suppress them, mm. we numb them, we, we actually come out of our body into our head so that we don't feel them anymore. Okay. Um, something else that we do is that we, we split them so we, we split them off and we decide that some things are good, some things are bad, mm. and, and we push the bad things right away mm -hmm. in another part of our psyche mm. and we just hold on to the good mm. um, to try and make the world feel a safer place, really. Mm. But it means that the shadow bit of us, where all the bad bits are, is where all the terrifying aspects of the world mm. are. Mm. <clears throat> and, of course, you know, I think... It, it's a quite common belief to um, to believe that emotions are, you know, that, that they can have good and bad labels. Absolutely, and you know, and I think that's where it comes from. That emotion isn't just uh, a physical reaction giving us information, but that there are good. Well, we we muddle feelings and emotions too, but that there are good feelings and bad feelings, mm. which are really good emotions and bad emotions. Okay. But I, you know, I think the other two defences, perhaps, just before we move on to that, is that because a child needs the caregiver, even though the caregiver isn't really being able to give the child what they need, mm. um, the child must hold the caregiver as giver as good. Yes. So. The child never ever thinks the caregiver isn't able to give me what I need. Mm. The child thinks there's something wrong with me. I'm failing, I'm getting it wrong. If only I did this, it would be better. If only I was more like that, I, it would be better. And mm. so the child idealises the parent mm. and denigrates themselves, say mm. that what's, what's going on is wrong with them. And that's how empaths, mm. who I would call identifiers, end up feeling in the world that actually there's something wrong with them. Okay. And and that it isn't that they're in a world where everybody else is busy splitting, suppressing, sending emotion out that they're picking up. Mm, mm. So it sounds like it's a, um, a protective mechanism that's learned in our early years that allows us to maybe survive some maybe difficult experiences in our early years. Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, defences get knocked a lot, mm. like we shouldn't be defensive, but actually they are our survival mechanisms. We, we are amazing creators. We mm. manage to create 
systems of defence yeah. that help us survive. And, and some of us, without those defences being in place, mm-hmm. simply wouldn't survive childhood. And, yes. and that's not... I'm not exaggerating, I mean it. We, we couldn't survive, we would go mad. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and it sounds, you know, that sounds pretty bleak and, and horrifying, so it's absolutely essential that we have that we have the capacity to um, to put away the bits that feel overwhelming or frightening. Yeah. Um, and I guess then it becomes difficult when we are adults, yeah. when we're still doing that. And, and therefore I think there's a process as adults that that we can go through where we learn to uh, own again our, our emotions and learn not to be frightened of them. Mm. And then we become what I'm describing as an empath of enormous power and uh, who can be immensely helpful in the world because they become a light worker who knows that emotions are just vibration and energy mm. and that you can contain them and you can understand them and you can transform them. So what actually happens when an identifier receives the emotion of somebody else? As in, how does that physically or practically happen yes yeah um i guess we go back to the fact that this is a vibrational universe yeah and so everything is is made up of energy Mm -hmm. including emotion so when we feel emotion we are sending ripples of vibration out from us Mm. as as energy whenever we are experiencing emotion yes yeah and because we are all energetic we're all made up of energy yes then when one person sends out the energy of an emotion we all have the capacity to receive that mm-hmm. that energy that mm. vibration mm. um and and so when we say we're we're receiving the emotion of somebody else we're actually as an as an energetic being mm. we are receiving another's energetic communication yes but then it gets more complicated because if we go back to the conversation we had a bit earlier about children and defences and mm. putting things away, mm-hmm. um, so supposing we have put away um, feelings, emotions that we considered to be bad yes. or dangerous, okay. so we've learned that anger is frightening, yes. and so we've it's put about... anger away in a, another part of us. Mm. But suppose we then receive from somebody else the, the energy of anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not only do we recognise it as the energy of anger, but that energetic blueprint of anger hits our own energetic system mm. and finds the anger that we've put away in another part of us. Okay. And because we put that away because it was too frightening, mm-hmm. when somebody else's anger finds our put-away anger, mm. then it, it, it actually feels immensely raw and frightening and that's what's happening when people who are identifiers are walking through crowded streets or or sitting in a cafe Mm -hmm. where they're they're receiving other people's vibrational communications so they're then finding their own yeah so they're experiencing they're actually experiencing it um other people's emotions but what that the other other people's emotions are finding the emotions that the identifier has learnt to put away. Yes. And this isn't a conscious process, is no, it? No, it's fully, un- it's totally unconscious. Mm, mm. And of course, those emotions that have been put away 
are going to be in their raw form, aren't yes, they? Yes, unprocessed. They've not been given language. They've never been thought about. Mm. Um, that they, they are just as they were in their original state when they were first put away. Mm. And that's why until we come to understand what emotions are and how to manage them differently, mm. thoughts alone won't do it. We, we do have to go to the emotion mm. and, and we have to learn to deal with that differently. Because otherwise we're going to be assaulted constantly and, and find those emotions just brought up to the surface yes. over and over again. Yes, because what's assaulting us is not actually the other person's emotion only. Yeah. Mm. What's assaulting us is, is the emotions we're frightened of yes. that we hold in our own energy system yes. that the other person's energetic communication is finding. Yes. yes, so if we haven't dealt with our own anger, our own grief, our own jealousy... Whatever you know, mm. whatever whatever emotion it is, then um, when we find ourselves in, uh, with other people who are experiencing yeah. that, we're going to find that really intolerable because yeah. we haven't ever had the help to be able to go close to and manage those emotions that belong to us. Exactly that, mm. and you know we're using words like dealt with, and so when we say if we haven't dealt with our emotions, mm. all we really mean is we haven't had the help of another to teach us that they can be survived, mm. that, that actually we can just experience them as, as information of something that's going on inside us. Mm. And, and then that's back to the word containing or containment that, mm. that I've used a lot in, in, in this discussion. And, and what that means is somebody else outside of us who knows that emotions can be survived mm -hmm receiving our emotional communication, holding it, understanding it, calming it, soothing it down because to them it's not frightening mm. and giving it back to us in a processed form mm. that, that isn't any longer frightening. Mm. And because it's not frightening, we don't have to defend against it and put it somewhere out of our view. Yes. To yes. come back and bite us later. Yeah. So, as as any um, um, I, any identifier actually needs to find themselves with a really sorted empath in order to work through their feelings. Absolutely, that. Mm. So that all sounds like quite a process people would have to go through. I, I guess it can be seen as a process, can't it? Because. Mm. Um, there are two parts to, to to this really. One is that we we do have to examine all the the stuff that we've put away mm. in its raw state and and gradually realise that because it was raw when we put it away, it's always seemed frightening. But once we apply a bit of um awareness to it and we we realise why it feels the way it is we gradually come to understand that it doesn't need to feel that way anymore mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be frightening because we're a grown-up now mm -hmm. and grown-ups can manage emotion. I, th I think that's what's so important. Our emotion, largely, we were, learnt, we, would, we were taught to feel afraid of it because we were too little to manage it. Yes, yes. And it's remembering that we're a grown-up now and we can manage it. Yes, that we can survive it. Absolutely. So I think that's got to be the first thing, that we integrate everything. We let everything come back together and I think the the wonderful thing that happens when we begin to do that is gradually we develop 
the capacity to observe what's going on rather than react to it. Mm. We we develop an observer self, we become the watcher mm -hmm. rather than the reactor, which mm. of course is what spiritually we are anyway. Of um, course, yes. But But once we have that observer self, then we can become mindful, we can become calmer, mm -hmm. we can become steadier, we can understand, mm -hmm. and we can hold an emotion without becoming frightened of it, without running away from it. Mm -hmm. And of course we're talking about negative emotions here, aren't we? Mm -hmm. but, but that's the same with, with, um, with pleasant or happy emotions. Oh, that, which can be actually, just as frightening. They can be just as frightening because we can feel out of control when we become ecstatic or... Mm. You know, we can feel um, just as out of control with those mm -hmm. if nobody has helped us to contain or manage them in the past. Mm. So I think becoming mindful is the sep second step, mm. which is why, uh, you know, there is such an awareness in the world today of the importance of mindfulness as a tool mm -hmm. to remain steady in all situations because yes. we become the observer and not the reactor. Yes. We become the empath rather than the identifier, mm -hmm. which is what this is all about. So how do you think we move from being an empath that you'd call an identifier to an empath who you'd call a light worker? Okay, well, let, let's start in a, a slightly different place. Let's Let's start by saying that empaths come into this world to become light workers. Mm. That absolutely everything that an empath has learned, known, experienced, has brought them to this point mm -hmm. where they are ready to do the work that will help them to become the light worker that they came here to be. Yes. Yeah. And that that involves two different things, particularly. Okay. And I think the first is that we empaths who have grown up being identifiers have to learn that emotions can be survived, can be understood, are not terrifying. Mm -hmm. They are just communications energetically, one like being to another like being. Mm -hmm. And that because we are so sensitive to that energy, mm. we pick it up wherever we go, um, the bit that we have to do is know that sometimes it finds our own stuff. Mm. And so, because our own stuff is still frightening, we have to deal with our own stuff first. Yes. Yeah. And so the spiritual path does involve taking ourselves apart a little, mm. discovering the bits that we've put into our shadow side, yeah. realising that they can join the rest of us, that there's nothing to be scared of, that mm -hmm. actually it's all experience. And, and that that experience helps us grow in compassion and in understanding for all other beings that are here with us on this planet. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so we have to do the work. That's the work we have to do. Mm -hmm. And I think once we've done that work, we're no longer frightened of communication either from other people or from our own split-off mm -hmm. shadow side, the bits of our psyche that we've run away from up till now. And I think once we've done that work, mm. then we're in a position where we can receive others' energy. We can hold it with compassion and with understanding. Mm. 
and with real empathy, not, not identifying, but empathising, with real empathy. Mm -hmm. And we can hold it in a sacred space inside us until we've calmed it, soothed it, accepted mm. it, mm. and we can give it back, just like the mother or father or caregiver with a young baby. Yes. We can give it back in its transmuted form. Mm. And the other person... So it sounds like what you're saying is that this is a process um, and it's a necessary process and that the empaths that um, come into the world as identifiers uh, choose to come into the world to have those difficult experiences that um, then ha leave them in the, you know, with the potential to go on to become empaths who are light workers. Exactly that. I think, you know, we we choose um we choose that journey we voluntarily show up because we come with a, a purpose and a job to do and i think we have to go through the experience of becoming identifiers in order to be aware of oh the emotions of the world which which we're going to on we're going to go on to to transmute mm. um as light workers once we've done the work and I think the maybe the other thing to say is that because everything is energy and everything vibrates at different frequencies, then the highest frequency of all is that of love. Mm. And when a when an empath has done the work and they've learnt to accept and understand and feel compassion for all emotion, mm. all experience, including mm. their own then they do actually vibrate at, at the frequency of love. Mm. And I think vibrationally the reason this is important is because there's a there's a physical law, the, the law of entrainment, which says that um, everything vibrates to the frequency of the highest vibration present. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how light workers transform piece by piece, ripple by ripple, the energy of their immediate environment and ultimately of the entire planet. Mm. We mm. hold a high vibration, mm -hmm. we've done the work, we can receive others' emotions, others' vibrations and we can transmute them mm. by holding them in our sacred space till we've changed them. Jani, what would be your take-home message then for all those um, people out there who see themselves or know, are recognising themselves as the um, empath, empath identifiers? Um, I would say, I would say, start to realise how powerful you are. Start to realise you chose this. Start to realise you've been serving your ap apprenticeship. Mm. And that now you're ready to stand in your full power as a light worker who is ready to do the work mm. and move on from doing the work to your real purpose, which is transmuting the energy of this planet. Mm -hmm. And think, wow, look at me. <laughs> who am I really? Mm. Here was I thinking that 
I was one of the sensitive people who had to hide away from the world. Mm. And now this is revolutionised. I don't have to hide away from the world anymore. Mm. I'm here to be in the world. And I'm, I'm here to be in the world as the most powerful being of light and love and power. Here with a purpose. A purpose that I now understand. Mm -hmm. Just watch me. <laughs> well, that's great. Thanks, Johnny. You've been listening to Pocket Talk with Nikki and Janny. If you have things you'd particularly like us to talk about, general questions or thoughts you'd like to ask or share, you can private message Janny and I via the Facebook page, The Therapist in My Pocket, www.facebook.com forward slash TT in my pocket. Or you can email us directly at thetherapistinmypocket at gmail.com. You can listen to me, Janny Judley, on YouTube and SoundCloud as Janny Judley, the therapist in my pocket. And you can follow me, at Janny Judley, on Twitter and on Instagram. My latest book, Dances Amongst the Stars, is available on Amazon. And you can read more at www.thetherapistinmypocket.com. Janny's also a regular columnist with Elephant Journal and is writing for Kindred Spirit UK. If you'd like to read her pieces, you can find her as Janny Judley on www.elephantspirituality.com. For now, thanks so much for your company and for showing up here to share this space with us. We look forward very much to receiving your thoughts and questions and suggestions and to sharing many interesting and helpful discussions, tips and explanations to help us all on our spiritual journeys. Thank you for listening to Pocket Talk. <laughs>